Hi, I'm Weston, and this is Queer Meets Queer. Being queer sometimes feels like having a split identity. For starters, when you are in the closet, you are literally pretending to be someone else. You can pretend for so long that it feels real. I came out when I was 23 and it was wild because I slowly realized that I had no idea who I was, which felt absurd. Like, how could that be? I had been on Earth for 23 years. How could I not know? Our story today is about those times in our lives where we come face to face with ourselves and see someone we don't recognize. It is a story about getting to know yourself and coming to accept yourself. It is also a story about drag. Dear listeners, it is my distinct pleasure to introduce you to Carla Rossi. Hmm. Hello. <laughs> Hi, my name is Carla Rossi, Portland's premier drag clown, the ghost of white privilege. And that's hilarious because white privilege will never die. <laughs> Also with us today, Anthony Hudson. Hi, I'm Anthony Hudson. I'm also sometimes Carla Rossi. And I usually ask that people just in lieu of pronouns call me by my name. Although with that said, they them is just fine. Anthony Hudson, Carla Rossi's current host body, is a multidisciplinary artist and writer. In collaboration with Carla, Anthony has been featured in the New York Theater Workshop La Mama in New York City, the Portland and Seattle Art Museums, and the Vancouver Queer Film Festival, among many others. Anthony was named the 2018 National Artist Fellow from the Native Arts and Cultures Foundation, a 2018 Western Arts Alliance Native Launchpad Artist, a 2019 Oregon Arts Commission Fellow, and a 2021 First Peoples Fund Fellow. In Portland, Anthony is perhaps best known as the goblin behind Queer Horror, the United States' only LGBTQ horror film screening series, and for the play Looking for Tiger Lily, which asks what it means for a mixed-race millennial to experience their heritage via white pop culture. This is Anthony's public-facing biography, which I largely plagiarized. Here is what Carla has to say about Anthony. Um, he, she, they, it, uh, them, them, they, them, they, them, Anthony, 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 the other one. Let's just say the other one. Um, they wear black. Uh, they look kind of like a goth kid. Um, real touchy. Lots, too many emotions. Bad taste in everything. Music, food, bad taste. Um, but gets the job done. Knows how to, knows how to drive a car. Very skillful, very good skill for me to get to places I need to go. Absolutely. Yeah. Anthony, what was life like before you became Carla's chauffeur? So life before Carla was sort of like, sort of like the planet Earth when the dinosaurs roamed, like when it was like Pen, Pangaea, Pangaea, Pangaea. It was sort <laughs> of like that. Um, I was living a small life, what I've called a small life. It was, uh, you know, growing up, coming out of a small town, being a mixed indigenous queer person. 
in a, a really messy small town. I kind of lived my life wanting to just survive and not be seen. So I kind of stuck to the walls. And, uh, and, and I spent a lot of time in theater, um, hidden away with the other nerds. And then coming out of school and, and moving to Portland, I really wanted to challenge myself to become an art student and go to art school up here. So I moved here and I proceeded to not do that because I think I was too afraid to really pursue uh, what I really wanted to do in the world. So I worked at the mall. I was a fragrance, fragrance anista. I worked in the world of fine fragrance at Bath and Body Works. Thank you very much for three years. I did my time at Lloyd Center. And I, I basically just sort of hid from the sense of what I really wanted to do with my life. I'd always wanted to be an artist. I wanted to be a writer, a performer, a director, a comedian, a visual artist, an illustrator. I'd wanted to do all these things all my life, but I never really knew how until Carla came along. So how did you meet Carla? Like, how did, how did that happen? Did you just wake up one day and thought, I'm going to be this other person today? <laughs> Well, one day I fell into a manhole and encountered some toxic slime and a clown doll. <laughs> uh, it, it really all traces back to the summer after I finally started art school. I had I had gone through freshman year and I was, I was in PNCA, Pacific Northwest College of Art, as an illustrator. I was kind of struggling to figure out what my, you know, what's the, the, that horrible word that gets tossed around so much in art school and in art practice, the creative voice. What's my creative voice? While searching for a creative voice, Anthony met Jinx Monsoon, a Portland-raised drag queen who gained international fame for winning the fifth season of RuPaul's Drag Race. Anthony and Jinx struck up a friendship. And we had, we had spent the summer before I went into school just hanging out and watching Grey Gardens and talking about how Mystique is the best X-Men because she's the ultimate drag queen. And, uh, and I saw this person that was doing everything that I was wanting to do. Like in this, in one environment, she had created a, a job for herself and she had created work for herself and she was writing herself roles and performing and singing and, and doing all the stuff that I found so appealing. At the time, Anthony was in a young relationship, a first love relationship. And the relationship kind of fell spectacularly apart because of Jinx Monsoon. She actually introduced my boyfriend to the person who he inevitably ended up cheating with. Which she apologized for, but it was fine because it was a, it was a necessary breakup, and I, I felt this sort of sense of liberation of like, okay, if my my first young love is is collapsing, and I don't know what I want to be doing in school, it felt like this was the time where I could see her example and I saw what she was doing and I realized I wanted to do something like that and try something like that for myself. And now felt like the time. Anthony's boyfriend cheated on him with a man who was also in a relationship. What resulted probably has something to do with the laws of thermodynamics and the conservation of energy. Two relationships ended, and two new relationships were born. The first, a romance between Anthony's boyfriend and his new lover. The second, a friendship between Anthony and their counterpart in his two-timing game of musical chairs— the person on the other side, who was also left behind, a drag performer named Florence Oregon. He and I started hanging out, not out of spite, but because we lived across the street from each other. And uh, we went to a drag party. Uh, so we slapped ourselves in white face paint, um, called ourselves the tampon troop, put on like pillowcases for dresses, and started just going up to strangers at this house party, speaking in these weird, like kind of Long Island meets 
doctor girlfriend, I think that's her name from Venture Brothers, voices. Uh, and we, we just were completely masked and anonymous. Nobody knew who we were. And we realized like this could be such a fun art project. Um, it became a way for me to to just kind of let myself go completely in an absolutely chaotic way. Um, it was kind of amazing, an amazing, fiery, creative period in my life that was also completely out of control and a little too infused with alcohol. But <laughs> but that's where she came out of was um, was from that. And then from there, you know, we were getting ready for a show because people started we, we would go to, to theaters and jump on stage like during TBA. We jumped on stage during a show and I can't believe we did that. But they asked us to come back. And then we started getting asked to do cabarets. And one night we were getting ready and I was slapping on the face paint and Florence looks over at me and says, you look like a Carla. And I thought, well, okay, so that's my name, Carla. What would the last name be? Because drag names have to be catchy to some, to some extent. And I realized, oh, the bottom shelf, Rossi, salty wine. And that's where Carla Rossi came from. And she has taken hold ever since. Did you realize when you named Carla that she was going to become such a big part of who you were? I had zero clue that Carla was going to be the the hurricane force <laughs> that would um, that would fuel my life into into everything that I'm doing and interested in now. Um, I thought this was just a, a way to to let loose at, at first, and. And I, I had absolutely zero clue. I think for the longest time, even because I, I met my partner, my person that I am with. Um, we've been together for eleven years now, which eleven years is also how old Carla is. Mm-hmm. And so he's seen her from the beginning. We would always kind of get in this little bickering early on in our dating, where he would be like, "Oh, you know," like like I would try to act cool and be like, "No, Carla's just like she's just like this project I'm doing, like just like the side gig that I'm doing when I'm not in art school." And he's like, no, there's a lot more of you in her and vice versa than you're willing to admit. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like I try to keep a crowbar separation between the two of us. And I never really realized until much later that she was me. Carla started to take over. She demanded more and more of Anthony's time and energy. It even began affecting Anthony's performance in art school. One night I blacked down and I woke up on my final that I was supposed to be turning in at that exact moment. So I show up to class covered in makeup and, and late. And I was like, I wasn't even trying that semester. I did terrible. And my professors were like, what are you doing that you are so invested in? And why aren't you doing it here? Uh, so I realized, okay, I should bring Carla into art school. So I brought her into art school and I started making work with her. And I realized that I could use Carla I was literally painting myself white and as someone who I think pretty much presents white for how most people read me and as someone who is also native um, that felt like a weirdly metaphoric and symbolic thing to do Um, also as someone who was very gender confused my whole life it felt like a really powerful place to negotiate my gender publicly Um, Carla became a way to talk about all these things in art school however Another power of her, you know, was was putting on the white makeup and using the acts of drag and the white makeup, literally, um, as a white face act and to play the awfulness that I saw in Portland, to play the entitled, like, Lake Oswego elites. You know, something about Carla, she says she's the whitest woman this side of Lake Oswego. (laughs) And it's true. She lives in a castle there. But uh, so there is an aspect of Carla that is just mocking that place in in dominant normative culture um 
however, I also see myself benefiting from that. Like my brothers live on the Warm Springs Res. They are much darker than I am. They have long black hair. Um, they have lived very different lives than I have. I grew up in the city with a white mom and, and my Indian dad, my native dad. Um, and so I realized that I am also afforded possibilities and opportunities that they don't often get. And I realized that I benefit from my privilege in that way. Um, so Carla is a way for me to, to be accountable to that also, while also mocking all of these systems that I think are used um, to, to destroy our personhood. She is, she is everything that I can't say that I want to say all the time. And when I put her on, that's the armor, you know, where everything is suddenly possible. And now I have a, an amp coming out of my soul. Making art with Carla, bringing Carla into art school, brought Anthony and Carla closer together. But it was something that Anthony was initially wary of doing. I think bringing Carla into my art school work was, uh, yeah, it was scary because it felt like this isn't art. If, if it's ever treated as art, it's, it's treated as art for queer people. Mm-hmm. It's sort of different. So it was it was hard for me to bring it into the school at first because of that. I think I think I, I was worried about how do I justify this as art instead of instead of not worrying and just doing it because I'm justifying it because I want to do it, which I think is the best reason to make anything. Uh, but I, I I'm really glad I stuck by it and that I had those professors to urge me to to keep at it because otherwise I would might not even be doing what I'm doing today. And what I do today is something that I love and need. At this point, you probably have a pretty good idea of who Anthony is. But who is Carla? Carla, the thing that's funny about Carla, because I imagine her, you know, she's the whitest woman this side of Lake Oswego. She's Portland's premier drag clown. And as she would say, you know, she's the ghost of white privilege. And that's funny because white privilege will never die. It's her joke. The thing about her is I, I, I imagine her as a sort of immortal trickster spirit who's haunted humanity throughout time. And she's a, she's a clown, you know, she's um, clowns say one thing while doing the other. Tricksters also do that uh, in, in our myths and in our stories. And um, so I, I definitely come approach her with that sort of, that, 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 that sort of her MO. So one thing that's fun about her is thinking, okay, if she's a sort of spirit who can exist throughout time and kind of mutate her forms, that would also apply to media. So Carla has appeared in videos. She has appeared in stage work. She has appeared in drawings. She's had beer releases. And I've made the graphic design and illustration of her for those beer releases. I've turned her into stickers. I've turned her into animated videos. Um, And I've even spent, you know, some of this last year doing audio work with her and making new audio pieces uh, starring her. So it's weird that she sort of has become her own medium in a way, a a sort of cross disciplinary medium she's a she's a universal medium (laughs) (laughs) do you do you have conversations with carla like does she talk to you you're going to make me go to the loony bit. <laughs> no, I don't. I mean, I don't think I don't mean I, don't, I really don't think it'd be crazy if that's true. Flash forward to me. Uh, people listen to this and then flash forward to me saying I have always depended on the kindness of strangers <laughs> that they drag me out of my house with my in my clown car. Um, yeah, I do have conversations with Carla, actually. So it's really funny that that comes up because that's something I thought I would never reveal to the world. 
she's how I process a lot of stuff, right? Yeah. I think I, as an artist, oh God, as an artist, <laughs> you know, artists, we process things through our work. We process yeah. our emotions and, and our, we, I think, you know, there's something I really love reading and I love writers a lot. And there's something that's really, um, fascinating me about the act of writing which is writing sometimes isn't even for the sake of making a thing sometimes writing just exists for the sake of the writer being able to work out and try to understand their sense of self and what right. they're feeling and what they're experiencing yeah. um and carla's how i do that a lot uh i get really i'm a i'm an aries <laughs> with a rising leo and a moon in sagittarius i am a triple fire sign I am an angry person. Um, I'm really nice and like polite and professional to work with, but I have a I have a short fuse sometimes. I don't go off on people, but in my mind is a furnace in here at all times, and I get so sick of the things I see in the world. Um, I, I get sick of the government. I get sick of how we're handling the pandemic. I get sick. I think we all do this, but Carla is sort of she's kind of a spiritual medicine for me in that. I kind of take all that coal and throw it into her <laughs> and she burns it up and, and she creates something out of it with me. So yeah, I absolutely, you know, I have conversations in the shower with her uh, and that's what turns into dialogue. That's where, that's where writing scripts for like queer horror for uh, different performance pieces comes from is kind of bouncing ideas back and forth with her, but it's me. Mm -hmm. And it's it's funny how that works. I've never actually thought of that consciously or said that out loud, but it's true. I, I mean, I think almost any creative person will will hear that and and identify with it. You know, I mean, as a person who writes um, and as a person who has written about like my own life, um, you make a character out of yourself. You make a character out of the people you know, and it's it's kind of you talking back to you. Self talk is I don't find it weird or crazy at all no yeah that's i think that's a good point like i make a joke of that but also that is how we create mythologies these are a way of repurposing the things that we have learned matter to us in these lot in this life and um the stories are the things that 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 contain those kernels of, of <laughs> wisdom as it were <laughs> or poop jokes as it's carla at some point anthony realized that certain people were taking carla at face value taking carla at her word there would always be like the well-meaning woke white folk. We didn't have the word woke yet back then. They hadn't stolen that from Black Vernacular yet. But we had, we always had those like very well-meaning, very performative liberals at the back of the audience. They would boo at the stuff Carla says, boo at the, the racist ignorance that Carla would spew out, not realizing that it's a joke. They're very literal uh, fundamentalists, one might say. This is an incredibly dangerous way to relate to a trickster spirit. To give you an idea of what I mean, here is some audio of Carla giving a speech at the 2020 Republican National Convention. In an America where freedom runs, we will light things up, we will build things up, and we will dismantle the tyranny of ADA compliance in order to stand for the flag. And for all citizens, whether white, cis, billionaire, or LGBTQAnon, when freedom runs, we will crush legal demonstrations of dissent with an iron curtain, I mean fist. Just look at California and their gender-neutral pronouns that make my spell check do that red squiggly line I can't get rid of. Law and order must be reinstated, and for at least another seven seasons! 
You can see why taking that literally might cause problems. Anthony needed to give the audience more context about who Carla was and where she came from. I realized that people didn't understand why I was doing this because for the first five years, pretty much, I was mostly anonymous. The only people that knew Anthony were the performers that I worked with because they would, you know, we would see each other, take the makeup on and put, or take it off and put it on. And we would hang out outside and we'd rehearse together. Uh, And I realized, oh my God, nobody actually knows why I'm playing this awful white woman. So I did the show Looking for Tiger Lily where I play myself, where I play, where I play Anthony, the public self. And, uh, and Carla played a sort of trickster kind of supporting role in it. She would show up throughout the show and haunt me at different moments and kind of try to get in my head and derail me. And the show ultimately, you know, the show is about growing up, seeing red face in popular culture, like seeing, seeing Sandra Lee play the Indian princess, quotation marks, Tiger Lily in, in the Mary Martin production of Peter Pan and kind of looking at that, which I was obsessed with that when I was a kid, that VHS tape and looking at that later in life, I realized that was maybe ground zero for where I felt this sense of internal schism between representation and how I see myself. This sense of schism came up musically in Anthony's show, Looking for Tiger Lily. That was Anthony performing Half-Breed for the show Looking for Tiger Lily. Half-Breed, popularized by Cher of all people, was Anthony's teenage anthem. Because, in Anthony's words, no one understands a fat, mixed-raced, queer kid like an Armenian pop star. We never settled from town to town When you're not welcome, you don't hang Doing Looking for Tiger Lily changed Anthony's relationship with Carla. 
And it wasn't until I did that show and I really opened up to people as Anthony that I realized that not just that we needed each other, but that we are the same entity. We are two different sides of the same thing. Um, and she's just more pronounced. She's the, she's, you know, I think of her as like the, my ultimate form, like my super cyan, like mm. Taylor, Taylor Mack said this incredible, I love Taylor Mack so much, but Taylor Mack said this incredible thing that um, my drag is what happens when my insides explode spectacularly outside. And I think the first time I really felt that was after I did Looking for Tiger Lily. And I realized that, you know, we're a, <laughs> We're a collective in a way, she and I. We are legion. <laughs> <laughs> Why does Carla need you? Why does Carla need me is, you know, I think need is the is the operative term that derails that. Because I don't know that Carla needs me right. as much as Carla would. Carla would need a body. She would right. need a human <laughs> av- avatar to possess. Right. She needs a victim. <laughs> and I make the perfect <laughs> one for her. <laughs> but But do I need her? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think she would be, you know, because she's incapable of sincerity, even though I think underneath everything there is probably, maybe she actually is this, this is going to get real woo-woo, but assuming she was this real trickster spirit, I think there would be a core of her that is innately good and is a, has is unconsciously aware of their ends. Um, but for all her intents and purposes, as she knows them, she's just trying to get rich and, and be famous. And she doesn't, she only needs me to to help drive her to the gig. (laughs) Right. I'm definitely the one that's open about needing her though. (laughs) What have you learned from Carla? What I learned from her is that uh, I think if anything, it strengthened my sense of my cultural identity. Um, When I make work, I, you know, I've had, I've received multiple awards and I've received some really wonderful awards from some native organizations. And that's, that means the world to me. But I also always kind of battle this sense of imposter syndrome where it's like my work isn't traditional, you know, it's not even tradition as we, as a lot of natives call it, where it's like, well, it's traditional enough. <laughs> my work is very contemporary. It's very, it's very influenced by and responding to white pop culture um, and, and the sort of invisibilization and damage that happens in that space. Um, so for a long time, I was like, okay, well, what the hell am I? There's a sense of, you know, not being able to fit. And a lot of my work is about that, about not being able to fit, about being falling into too many boxes to fall into any single one box, um, like capitalism tells, we, tells us we're supposed to. And I think what Carla did for me, though, is this understanding of my sense of self as, as both her and as me, um, it really brought home and helped me accept having a, a capability for for such fluidity and for multiplicity within myself um when i came out when i was a kid you know i, I came out to my parents when i was like 14 my mom was catholic and she had a hard time with it i was terrified of telling my dad and my dad was actually super cool with it my mom ended up telling him she told me it was my responsibility to tell him and then the next morning she was like i'm so sorry i told him and then he came up and talked to me and he's like why don't you tell me he's like you're a two-spirit and I was like, what's that? What, what's that? And he explained it to me that this is a tradition that we have within so many different tribes. Two-Spirit isn't the original name. You know, each, each tribe has different, each nation has different beliefs and, and practices and traditions. Um, but across the breadth of, of indigeneity and, you know, what was once called Turtle Island or what we've called Turtle Island, there was such a breadth of, of gender variance and queerness. 
and this idea of two spirit, it's, it's, you know, a lot of people have explained it as, well, you know, you have a male spirit and a female spirit. I think it's a lot more complicated and fluid than that. And I think it's a lot less binaristic than that. But the idea that, that queerness, as far as how my ancestors might have looked at it or how I can look at it in relation to my place, having descended from my ancestors, being two-spirit for me and, and, and being queer, it really means that this is, a, this is a site where I'm allowed to exist as multiple people. I'm allowed to exist as Anthony. I'm also allowed to exist as Carla. I'm allowed to walk back and forth between the two. There's a, a sense of someone, you know, I think a lot of the spirituality underneath the two-spirit identity is this idea of walking between the world. And um, Carla proved to me that I know how to do that. And I don't, I never was able to access that until I met her. Hi, I'm Carla Rossi. (laughs) I've won. I've absorbed Anthony into the cellular ether. If you would like to find out more about me, you can go to thecarlarossi.com. That's the proper article, carlarossi.com. And similarly, if you go to social media and type in the Carla Rossi, I'm sure something comes up. Thank you everyone for spending time with us today. If you like what you heard today, tell your friends, tell your partner, tell your hookup, tell your family, tell literally anyone who will listen to you. Because word of mouth is a really powerful tool to help us grow. Also, don't forget to like, subscribe, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Queer Meets Queer. If you are wondering how to support this podcast, leave us a five-star rating and a review. Positive reviews help us get surfaced and help people find us. Today's show was produced by me and edited by myself and Seth Gosshorn, my best friend. Clips from Anthony's performances were used with permission and can be found on YouTube. All you got to do is search Carla Rossi. We receive financial support from the Regional Arts and Culture Council and the Portland Arts Museum. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time.